Welcome, Cat fam and friends of Crusader Athletics. I'm Ryan Gasser. Welcome to our first August edition. One way or another, this time of year is hectic, and 2020 hasn't disappointed. We'll begin today's show with another update from Interim Director of Athletics and Recreation, Dixie Jeffers, just to see where Cap Athletics is as of today. Then we'll head back to the soccer pitch, but this time to talk about the Crusaders women's soccer team. Head coach Matt Ogden will join us to talk about how last year's success will parlay into the 2021 season, and maybe he'll even give us some tips on farming while we're at it. Lastly, we found a really cool story on the Twitter machine a little while ago. Capital alumnus Katie Lease hit a shot that put $10,000 in her pocket, but there was so much more than a cash prize that made that one shot extra special. You'll need to keep listening to find out what made it special and for all the updates as we begin episode 14 of Forward Capital Crusaders. Welcome, Cap fam, to another edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. And like the last couple of episodes, we are going to kick it off with an update from our interim director of athletics and recreation, Coach Dixie Jeffers. So, Coach, uh, another couple of weeks have passed, and we have some more updates that have come down the pike. Uh, it seems like every time we come down to this point, uh, we have to give a chuckle because if there's anything else, <laughs> we don't know what's going to come out. But here we sit. Uh, the university has announced that for at least the first couple of weeks of the opening semester that we will go virtual. So having said that, how is this going to impact athletics? Well, you are correct. Um, I, I, I really feel like our armors have has so many chinks in it right now that I don't know which day of the week it is. But, you know, um, I totally support the university's decision to push the pause button because it's just not safe right now. Our numbers need to come down, they need to decrease, and this is about safety. And it's about the wellness of our student athletes as well as our campus community. So the news came down and we've hit the pause button, but we really have not stopped pausing in the athletic department. Uh, we continue to work every day to plan for our, for our student athletes to return and be able to return sooner than later. And with that being said, we're in the process of trying to get a controlled weight room opening right now, maybe let the kids come in and run the track here a little bit that are local. I certainly don't want people driving two hours to be able to do this because it's not a team bonding um, excursion right now. It's about the mental health aspect. It's about servicing our students and our student athletes of this campus in the best way that we possibly can in a really tough time. So we've said that it's not safe. Those are the words. But what we really probably are, are translating that into is that we're preparing it to be safe. Um, and so here at the at the Capitol Center, we've been doing that over the last couple of months. Uh, and across campus, they're following suit and doing what they need to feel like uh, to make people feel safe. What do you think are some of the either the similarities or maybe the differences in, in those plans to make people make sure that they are going to be safe. Well, our kids are gonna to have to do their part in this too. We can only do so much. Um, we have several disinfectant machines that are coming in that I was just trained on last week with our assistant uh, director in facilities and so forth. And we feel confident that we can disinfect the areas after use very much. We have the medical team that's worked tirelessly all summer long preparing the ways that we can 
manage to this with the mask on, the, the proper hygiene with the hands and so forth, the social distancing. Uh, the campus is preparing for the same things. Uh, we even have COVID areas on the campus right now that's mandated by the governor and we are meeting all the requirements that are asked of us and we're definitely hand in hand. I mean, uh, this campus is more connected now than I've ever seen us connected in trying to work together to serve our students, our student population in this community of, of Bexley in the best way that we can. So when that time comes, and trust me, I think all of us cannot wait for this time to get back on campus. Uh, so in late September, when we are allowed back on campus, what is the transition going to be like from um, being virtual but still being allowed to train locally to basically uh, beginning to get as close to normal as we possibly can? What's that transition look like? Well, the transition right now, I have a, a proposal into our cabinet and all of our vice presidents as well as, as President Kaufman are looking at what I have proposed to be able to do a controlled opening, hopefully starting this week, if not this week, definitely next week, as long as it gets passed through cabinet, is that we would temperature check, write, ask six questions, write everything down, have the kids sign it, they would be masked up coming in to do in the weight room, uh, no more than 11 at a time in the weight room and so forth in the cardio area, and then we'd let them run the track and let them run the field a little bit for some cardio which I think is really essential right now, especially for our local-based kids. And we've had 100 kids stuck here since COVID that are just students, not student-athletes. And I, too, want to serve them and help them out. And I've, we volunteered to go ahead and start to, to manage them as well from a um, workout standpoint. So we've kind of mentioned that the Capitol Center, obviously, is a university building. It also is one that primarily serves student athletes in their athletic endeavors. Uh, with those two worlds mixing, um, what would you say is important to relay as far as how NCAA and the Capital Center policies are going to impact the other side of campus with air quotes around that, but for the non-student athlete or for faculty and staff? Well, the biggest change is you can't just walk into this building. And that's pretty much how it's going to be all over campus. You're going to have to have card access and so forth. And, and in particular for us, we've been asked to manage at a much higher level from the NCAA. So um, good or bad and different, our students that are going to be taking classes in here are going to have to look like us, which means you're not going to enter the CAP Center without having your temperature checked and so forth. And if, unfortunately, that if they are 100 degrees, 0.4, in that area and they don't come down within five minutes of us sitting them down and retesting them they're not going to be allowed to come into the cap center and that's that's across the board that's for employees that work here that's for faculty that work here and we're just trying to put us in a semi-bubble as much as possible to protect our kids as much as we can to get through phase one which is very limited contact to phase two which doubles or triples the contact that we can have with one another so basically, when you come into this building, everybody gets treated like an athlete. Pretty much, if that's how you want to look at it, because we're here to protect everybody, just not the athletes, but because we're asked to manage at a higher level, we have to treat everybody that way. Well, there you have it. Everybody's an athlete when you come into the CAP Center. <laughs> you can look at it that way. We're here with Interim Director of Athletics, Dixie Jeffers, and so we all know that, you know, 
athletics runs at a little bit of a different pace than most other industries around the world, let alone just in our local community. So tell us, what can people expect out of the Capital Athletic Department knowing that we kind of have to run at a different pace and do a few more things to prepare for the upcoming year? Well, the, one of the biggest things that I have I've pivoted again, I'm, I'm st- you know, we're to plan C now. We've been through A and we've been through B and now we're on C and and uh, you even asked me, what's plan C? I said, I don't know, ask me tomorrow. <laughs> but I came up with the plan C. So our plan C was to be able to get the kids back on campus in some way, shape or form that we could. So this is why we're trying to get the center open so many hours a day, about, it's about eight and a half hours a day that we're gonna open up. and trying to help them there and then I wanted to look at recruiting because we're going to have to all virtual recruit so much of trying to get you know more information out there about the capital family and about what we're really about so when a student athlete that's interested in athletics here looks at this they get a pretty good insight of who we are and what we're about and really want to finish coming to campus and taking that visit and meeting the people that they see on the on the different videos and so forth so that's what we're shifting into now, and we're continually going to you know, talk about the mental health aspect. I'm very, very concerned about that across the board for our student athletes as well as our employees because it's affecting everyone. And the coaches want to coach, they're losing their minds. The kids want to play, they're losing their minds. And there's days that I'm losing my mind because I want to fix it for everybody. And it's just not that simple. And so we have to keep addressing different issues and keep trying to to find the right things to do and the right combination to try to meet as many needs as we possibly can. And trust me when I tell you, SIDs want a SID. (laughs) (laughs) So in the short term, um, here we sit, it's almost mid-August and we've got a little bit of time up until we begin virtually. So for us right now, Capital Athletics and the Capital Center, what are some of the short-term goals that we're working on right now? I think we're just, you know, for me being new and in the position, I'm trying to connect with the staff still. I've, I've got evaluations going out to them to, to set goals and so forth. And you know, we've updated the staff handbook of people getting acquainted with that, their policy and procedures. There's just so many things that are going on. We're waiting on the NCAA to release the compliance paper so we can update that with our student athletes to get a really good handle on who's coming, who's not coming back, and what's going on. We're looking at eligibility. and I mean, there's just so many things going on that it is, uh, it's just like the wheel keeps turning for us. So I don't know what everybody else is doing, but I got something to do every day. And lastly, we're gonna wrap up this portion of Forward Capital Crusaders with getting your vision of what it's like on the other side of campus. We've obviously welcomed a new member to the CAP fam, and that is interim president Dave Kaufman. Uh, he has been insanely busy since jumping on in, in, this, uh, in this endeavor, and so you've gotten the chance to meet with him, speak with him, talk with him, work with him. What are your impressions of him since uh, we, we are still waiting our first chance to, to have our first interaction with him? I have been very fortunate to be able to have numerous conversations with President Kaufman. Um, and he's usually the one calling me, and I'm very appreciative of that. He cares about athletics. He cares about this, this campus, and he's so invested in a short period of time that he's been here. 
And so I'm excited for our student athletes to get to meet him personally and to be able to maybe get to learn who he is through some videos that we're going to put him through and introduce him to our student athletes and to the athletic department and so forth. But um, I really value him being here from a business standpoint. I value his uh, calmness and, and a pandemic. I think that works really well for us. But I also value our VPs as well. I think he's a great communicator and I've seen our, our VPs really step up. And people say in a time of crisis, you really get to see who people truly are as leaders. And I value the people at Capital right now that are setting in powerful positions to make decisions. And they've had to make some really tough decisions across the board. And Dave has really had to make some tough decisions very quickly being thrown into the mix. But our, um, our particular direct report and, and Dr. Fournier, Jody Fournier, you know, these guys have been here every week. We meet with them every week on a Zoom. They're invested into us. They want to know our plan. What do our student athletes need? What do we need over here to keep our sanity and to help our kids? So I feel very blessed with the leadership that we have in place right now. And I look forward to everybody meeting them and being able to see this unveil. Definitely look forward to perhaps even having President Kaufman on a future episode so that maybe we can get a first uh, take at him and his leadership style. Certainly looking forward to that. Also very appreciative of your leadership, Coach Jeffers, as we navigate these times. And we'll make sure that hopefully in two weeks' time we'll be talking about what classes are looking like virtually, maybe some uh, – you know, a little bit of a peek into what the first workouts have been like here on campus. We can't wait for that, and we thank you for everything that you've been able to share with us today. Well, Ryan, you've worked right with me since we've taken this thing on, and we've worked tirelessly, and we've done it for our students, and I think um, people are going to be impressed with what is going to come out of this. It's uh, epic proportions of not knowing what's ahead of us, but if we all stay together, the cap togetherness is where we got to stay. And I really feel that if anything comes out of this, it's going to bring us together even more. Let's hope so. And having said that, we're going to keep on moving forward and connect right into our next piece here on Forward Capital Crusaders. Welcome back, Cap Fam, as we roll along into another edition of our coach and program check-in. I'm Ryan Gasser, and we're here with the head coach of the women's soccer program at Capital University, Matt Ogden, now entering his sixth year at the helm of the women's program. And coach, I know that it is a time in which we should be thinking about the season. Unfortunately, that's not where we're at right now. But the good news is that we never really got to catch up about last season and how last year's successes may actually feed into the 2020 season. So, um, you know, before we get into soccer, first and foremost, you know, how are you doing? Because it's been a minute since we talked. Yeah, everything's going well. Obviously, the, uh, there's a lot of um, uncertainty going around with, a lot of our daily daily uh, activities. So there's, uh, there's obviously adjustments that have had to be made, but uh, all in all, uh, keeping my head down. Uh, thankfully, everybody has stayed away from uh, COVID and uh, we're happy and healthy. And that's the most important part, happy and healthy right there, first and foremost. You know, soccer, at least last 
March wasn't really that greatly impacted at the time that everything ceased. I mean, you were in your off season, but, uh, you know, you navigated that. And it seems like a while ago that we had to deal with that. What was the impact that you felt um, when that all went down and as you went into the summer season? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, in a typical year, we would just have been starting our, um, our non-traditional season. So uh, we were pretty fortunate that we already had a, a foreign trip planned to Spain uh, over our spring break. So February and March, you know, prior to that, we were able to get some uh, practices in, in preparation for that trip. Uh, and then we actually made it out to Spain. So we were over there for, for 10 days. We got the opportunity to play uh, in three games, do some training sessions. So I think we were, you know, we were fortunate in the sense that we, you know, while we missed out on our non-traditional season, we still felt like we had uh, some soccer content um, prior to, to COVID shutting down. Talk about that Spain trip a little bit. We never really got into that all that much because everything kind of blew up as soon as you got back. But, you know, you got a chance to go explore the world a little bit, uh, a place that maybe you and others hadn't gotten a chance to travel to. Uh, talk to us, like, what were the highlights of that trip? Yeah, it's a fantastic opportunity, and it's one that I try to take advantage of, uh, you know, whenever we are allowed to go out in those uh, events. We flew into uh, Barcelona, I spent some days at Barcelona, uh, went down to Valencia, uh, just again, just allowing the kids to see a different way of life, a different culture. Um, I think it was eye-opening for some of those who maybe haven't traveled as much, maybe haven't gotten out of the U.S. Uh, so I think whenever we get those those opportunities, you know, I, I, re- I highly encourage people to, to try and do that. Um, it was soccer-based. We did training sessions with some of Valencia's uh, professional coaches. We went and visited their academies. We went and toured uh, Barcelona, the new Count. We actually got games. Uh, we, we watched Barcelona play. So we actually were at the game where Messi scored four goals. Uh, and we did a whole host of fun activities as well. So uh, it, it really was a great trip. Um, and really during that time, we were just getting the, you know, the, the rumors of, you know, this, this virus that was starting to, you know, pop up and uh, rear its ugly head. Uh, fortunately, we got, that trip complete got back here uh and then obviously that's when um everything kind of you know imploded <laughs> and then the world blew up <laughs> <laughs> exactly so i mean you did get an opportunity to allow your players to play uh, of what time you were allowed to play and maybe even some of the what you've been able to observe since then has there been anybody that has had a pretty good or an impressive off season for you um uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's, again, I think we've got a fantastic squad and I think everybody's here for the right reasons and everyone's bought into who we want to be and, and kind of what the expectations are of the program. So, I mean, there has been, you know, I could sit here and name seven, eight, nine players that, you know, really have, have stepped up. Obviously, I think Jade going into her senior year, um, she's just grown into a leader. She's grown into somebody who's got, you know, a lot of game experience over a prior three years. Uh, she had a great uh, trip out in, in Spain, played well. Um, obviously, Avery was out there, Kaylee Stanislavska. Um, yeah, a whole host of kids have just coming along really well. And, you know, I think we've got a great young uh, group. Uh, obviously, you know, we lost some, some big seniors last year, but I think we've got players that have been chomping at the bit for a year or two uh, behind those guys. They're just going to relish the opportunity now. 
Now, last year was a pretty successful campaign. It didn't end the way that you wanted it to. Um, but you're always looking as soon as one season ends, you're looking to the next one. So as it stands right now, what do you think the top three things that you were looking to improve upon for this year's squad? Uh, yeah, again, when you look back at the record, I think, you know, you would generally be happy. I, I wasn't as a head coach and I think I thought, you know, we had the opportunity to, to further our season. Uh, one of our, I guess downfalls were we were not able to really put away teams. I mean, we we had a ton of possession, a ton of shots. Um, just for whatever reason, we didn't score goals when we shouldn't. It wasn't for lack of creating them. Um, so in front of goal, you know, that final third is is going to be a massive part for us because I think, you know, we're still going to be a strong team. We've still got strength and depth. Um, but to win games, you've got to score goals, and I don't think we were as good or, or as clinical as we needed to be last year so that's a, you know that's a big uh, big area of emphasis for me um, you know I think just the the maturity the maturity on the ball um, not you know rushing decisions and being comfortable possessing and swinging the ball uh, is always something that we're you know we're looking to do and then as always that the you know the fundamentals of the game uh, can make a difference so uh, if we want to be a possession team, we've got to be good at passing and receiving. And I think we can always improve on that. We're talking with head coach Matt Ogden of the women's soccer team at Capital University. And if anybody is out there, they probably have noticed something strange about his speak over there. And uh, we've kind of talked about how you're not you've been here in the States for a long time, but you are actually a native of Preston, England. So for those that are a little bit more geographically challenged like me, where is that on the map and in comparison to some other notable places in the UK? Yeah, uh, Preston is in the northwest of um, it is in uh, Lancashire, uh, which is situated probably closest to um, Manchester. Uh, Liverpool are probably two of the main big cities that people have heard of. Um, but it's it's northwest England. Um, it's about 40 miles from the coast. Uh, we have a, a very uh, interesting coastal town about you know, 20 miles from, from where we are. Uh, you can see a little bit of everything if you go and visit Blackpool, um, but it's a it's a fun place and uh, it's it's a, it's a, it was a great place to grow up in. Is there anything that Preston or that area, aside from its beach, is really known for in particular? Well, Preston doesn't have a beach; it's the town over. But um, Preston uh, historically was in the 19th century. It was a really big. Uh, it really had a big cotton, uh, a lot of cotton mills in the cotton industry. Um, uh, it's morphed out into a city. It's, it's changed awfully, uh, an awful lot over the, over the years. But I, I think if you look back in history, it was famous for its cotton mills at the time. Now, you came to the States to play soccer at the collegiate level, and you did so at Rio Grande University, which is an NAIA school down in southeastern Ohio. How did that all happen, and what made you want to jump across the pond? Yeah, um, growing up in England, uh, the education system is slightly different. Uh, we actually go to, we finish high school at the age of 16, uh, and at the age of 16, you can go to what we call college, which is a, a two-year course where you uh, start to narrow down your uh, educational path. Uh, typically, you choose three subjects, but we had a, a college team at that point. And we had a, a, a really good run uh, in a English schools, what they call the FA Cup. Uh, we ended up winning and becoming national champions my uh, final year. 
and I think just from being a part of that, um, there's there's opportunities that presented themselves. Um, had the opportunity to go to several places, uh, but landed in Rio Grande. What was it about it that made you say, this is the place where I got to be? <laughs> a big fat lie, because somebody told me it was a, a stone throw away from two major cities. And I've, <laughs> I, I've still not found that person as well. So, uh, no, I think um, there, there was there was some history of um, uh, Preston people, uh, Northwest people that had gone over there. So I think there was a level of comfort knowing that there's some other English guys out there. I had some conversation with them. And, you know, they all enjoyed enjoyed it. But I was probably considering what, you know, American athletes go through now to choose an institution, extremely naive uh, of what I was getting myself into. But it's not to be a fantastic place full of fantastic people. And, you know, something I look back on with um, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of good memories. Not too shabby, an incredibly impressive four years in the Hall of Fame career as you were inducted into their Athletics Hall of Fame. So, yeah, treated you pretty well, didn't it? Yeah, it, it worked out well. And, you know, it, again, it gave me an opportunity to continue my playing career over in the, the U.S. Um, so, I, you know, I'm humble for that. I think that was something that, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say I had the opportunity to play professionally over here. Um, so it was, yeah, look back on it, really good memories. And you mentioned that you played professionally, and I'm sure that that had to be a major factor in, in deciding to stay because, you know, you could have easily just picked up and went home, but you decided to stay in this foreign land. What made you want to stay, not just to play, but to continue and pursue a coaching career? Um, I mean, I think anyone knows me, know that I'm, you know, I'm a soccer junkie. So um, when when the ability to, to play over here uh, wasn't there anymore, uh, I obviously wanted to try and stay involved in the game and uh Cody just happened that you know one of my former uh, teammates was working at a club in Columbus and they came back and started coaching really just in love with the, the um, again the environment is always something that I enjoy being around uh but just having ability to have an impact on players uh really resonated with me uh, and it just went from there now, since we've gotten to know one another over the last couple of years, you've kind of acquired a bit of a farmer's hand and uh, added some non-traditional animals to the Ogden homestead. Tell us about your journey as kind of an amateur farmer over there. Yeah, I wouldn't say, you know, necessarily the farmer, but um, <laughs> a big part of this is my significant other. Uh, my wife, who is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person, is um, slightly over the top with the farm animals. She grew she grew up uh, in Washington Courthouse, so if anybody knows where that is, there's a, a lot of fields around a few houses. So she grew up with a livestock, uh, FFA, all that type of stuff. Um, and then, you know, since then, we've we've moved into a, a house that's got a little bit more land. So in her uh, persuasive ways, she started to acquire some, uh, some more animals. So chickens have been probably the most comical animals that we've added to the to the house for sure now when you say persuasive ways they did they just show up one day and you were just like oh i guess i have chickens now yeah yeah basically (laughs) (laughs) but you also kind of you're kind of a handyman too i mean i've seen the chicken coops these are all hand-built chicken coops like that's kind of impressive how did that come to be um i enjoy working you know outside it prior to you know 
coming to Capital, you know, I've worked with the city of Dublin uh, out in the horticultural division. So, I mean, just hands-on stuff is, is something that I'm comfortable with. I, I would not say I'm any type of expert, but I'll give it a, a, a good old fighting effort for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's, uh, some of it looks okay, some of it not so much, but, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, enjoy it. To my knowledge, nothing has fallen apart yet. So nothing. That's, that's half the everything battle. is still standing. I will say that. Yes. That, that is a win. That is a win. We're here with head coach Matt Ogden of the women's soccer team at Capitol. Now let, let's talk about more Crusader soccer here. Um, you know, we haven't gotten the chance to really go into too much depth about the recruiting class. So tell us, what can you, uh, what can you tell us about the incoming recruiting class and how's that shaping up? Um, I think it's, um, again, I'm really happy with the kids that we've got coming in. Um, you know, I think I'm probably more um, subjective on who uh, the type of players that we bring in here got to have the right personality and um, I feel like the six that we've got coming in here um, really will will fit in well with the team uh, will fit in well with the style of soccer that we're going to ask them to play there's a heck, four, five, six, I mean all of them have gotten an opportunity to impact the team from in year one are there any areas that you definitely tried to hit hard uh, as far as uh, positions or yeah, particular think, qualities? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Kelly Backman is a senior goalkeeper. Um, Lauren White is a, a, a sophomore coming in this year. Um, so it was important to me this year to get uh, another goalkeeper coming in. Uh, we have Alexis Schaefer, who um, is one of the most athletic female goalkeepers you know I've seen. I think she's... Um, she's going to be tremendous and I'm excited to see her in our environment with Kelly and Lauren, uh, you know, working hard in training and, and seeing where that, where that contest goes between those three, because I think we've got three very good goalkeepers this year, which is, which is, you know, really, really uh, exciting for me. Um, we lost, um, you know, some big players. We lost Ali at center back, Alyssa Kimbler. Maggie outside back, um, and I think Haley Moore's coming in. Uh, she's got ECNL experience for seven or eight years. She's actually been involved uh, when she was a little bit younger in one of the U.S. Uh, training academies. So she comes in with a pretty good pedigree. Um, Sophia Leonetti's coming in from Olentangy. Uh, she's actually one of my former players who, uh, you know, I just love to pieces. She's a hardworking, no-nonsense type player. Uh, will fit in exactly uh, how I want. I think she's going to be a great player. Um, Lexi Snyder's coming in. Uh, she's a very, very dynamic player, very fast, uh, explosive, and, and can score goals. Uh, so I think, yeah, there's, it, it's going to be very good. Very exciting. Now, we've been spoiled with players, and you mentioned those names, Maggie Pettacord, Alyssa Kimbler, and even add Jordan Fike into the mix. Who's going to be that go-to or marquee player or players this year now that they've gone and graduated? Uh, whoever chooses to be. I mean, I think we've got, really, we've got a number of players that can can really step into that role now. Um, you know, I think, obviously, Maggie Jordan, Ali, Carly, uh, they all left their mark on the program. They were fantastic people, fantastic players. Uh, but I think what sets us maybe apart from some of the teams is we've got players that are ready, who are um, 
motivated to, to step into those vacate positions. So um, we've got, you know, some, some good competition that's going to go on when, when we're able to get back on the field. One player that stands out if you look at the stat sheets is sophomore Avery Hart. And I know you mentioned her name earlier as far as being a pretty uh, competitive person that is bound to have a good sophomore season. How or what does she need to do to improve to get back to that status and, and become that marquee player that we think that she might be able to be? Yeah, Avery's um, just a, a great athlete. Uh, she has tons of upside. Um, I, you know, I think Avery... Uh, could be as good as Avery wants to be. Uh, she's got a fantastic work ethic, great team player, great attitude on the field. She wants to win. Um, I, I think her it, it's going to come with maturity. The the movement that she does, you know, with and without the ball, uh, will will directly affect what she's able to do as far as stats are concerned. Um, her belief that she can, you know, win games is is going to be really important as well. But but then also her ability to be able to play with uh, the other forwards and, and know that if she gets that ball off her foot, you know, she has every opportunity to get it back. And just that I think her overall uh, understanding of the game is just going to continue to improve. She improved in one. I think it's going to continue to improve and she's going to be a very, very difficult player to play against. Now, I've heard coaches tell me that, you know, a team's identity can change from year to year, or certainly their strengths and weaknesses do change from year to year as well. Uh, what do you feel like will be the strengths or the identity of this year's team? Um, you know, I think I, I hope our identity remains uh, pretty status quo throughout, you know, my time as the coach. We want to be a possession dominant, the ball at our feet. I know there's certain people that are, you know, or programs that are okay defending. You know, I, I, I was a forward trade. You know, I don't particularly like defending. So, you know, we, we always want to try and dominate possession of the ball. Uh, we want to try and, you know, win the ball back as high up the field as possible and, and, and create problems in our opponent's uh, defensive third. So, you know, I, I think that's going to be, you know, the, the bread and butter of who we are. Um, the, 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 what we're looking for now is can we be really clinical and when we win the ball, can we, you know, keep the ball and, you know, be dangerous in, in, in that final third. Now we all know that we're facing uh, fall sports being delayed to the spring, which hopefully means that you'll get some additional training and, and time for the newcomers to get acclimated to the team and to campus. How do you plan on utilizing or planning out that additional training time that you'll get with the team once we all get back to campus? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be uh, a day-by-day uh, plan. I mean, we've, we've, we've had numerous, you know, back-to-play uh, plans that have been, you know, squashed. So I think it's it's important not to look too far out. Uh, you know, we want on, we want to get the kids back on safely. Uh, and, and as a an athletic department, that's our utmost uh, aim is to get these kids back out together, training, but in a safe manner. So you know, we've got to follow the the protocols of, uh, you know, the return to play, all that type of stuff. But as soon as we get the green light. You know, we're we're gonna be we're gonna be getting out there, getting touches on the ball, and um, really trying to teach how how we want the game played here. So, 
Well, I hope that that means that we can count on you to take the pledge that we're asking everybody to do online at athletics.capital.edu slash pledge to do all the things that we need to in order to bring competition back. And we'll make sure that you uh, tell your, your athletes that as well. Absolutely. Now, it, Coach, it's hot seat time. We're talking with head coach Matt Ogden of the women's soccer team. We're going to put you through some quick hitters, Coach. This is going to get to know you and your team just a little bit better. So you ready? Okay, go for it. All right, let's do it. Let's get hot here. Favorite athlete growing up or currently? David Beckham. Favorite sports teams that you typically follow? Uh, Manchester United and over here, Cleveland Browns. Very good, and I'm sorry for that last one. Easy, easy. <laughs> Favorite sports movie? Uh, sports movie? I don't know. I don't know if this is class of sports movie, but I'll always sit down and watch a, a Rocky movie. Solid. That's always a sports movie in my book. What other sports did you play growing up? Uh, I played cricket and rugby. I played rugby um, until I got my face split open and had to miss my soccer game the next day and then gave that up. But uh, typically cricket and rugby. We're going to have to have future conversations on cricket. I might be the only other one in this department that has a concept of what's going on in that game, and I'm very interested. Actually, uh, tennis, if you recall me uh, beating you at tennis not too long ago. Oh, shots fired. (laughs) Shots fired. I do recall that. You've got a wicked serve on you. (laughs) Thing that you miss most about your first home in Preston, England? Uh, I think... Family, friends, um, I think they're obviously something that you, um, you, know, you wish it, you, you could have with you, but um, family, friends, and then I think the, the, the camaraderie of going out to a, a neighborhood pub, you know, and just hanging out and you know, being around people who, who you enjoy being around. If you weren't a coach, what would be your dream job? Uh... I I often watch Expedition Unknown, and I wish that one that you know I I could go out and see the world a little bit more. So maybe uh, something that involves travel, uh, like being outside. So maybe, who knows? Something that involves travel. Now, if you had very good, if you had to pick one thing that you were introduced to here in America that you enjoy the most, what's that thing? I wouldn't say introduced to, but I think that uh, is definitely a, a next level is the donut. America's <laughs> some pretty big time donuts. We're pretty okay. We're pretty standard back home, but over here, we're we're, we're pretty uh, big time. And if Brooke Shuttler's looking, uh, Duck Donuts, go visit Duck Donuts. Fantastic place. Solid suggestion right there. Uh, we've had a little bit more time on our hands, which has led us to the TV. Is there anything that you're binge watching right now? Well, I, I, I will be honest. I don't watch that much TV. I don't have that much uh, time just to, to kind of sit down. Uh, so I'm going to pass this one off and say my wife is watching Shit's Creek currently on Netflix. And she says that is quite good. All right. Very good. What is the one thing that you enjoy to do that may surprise someone? Uh, just being outdoors, just being kind of quiet areas. You know, I enjoy walking, hiking, kayaking, um, camping. Um, so just being outdoors, I guess, and being around not many other people. 
Well, I tell you what, if you're into that and you do have time to find a show, check out the show Alone, which is on Hulu. You'll probably enjoy that then. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll look at that one. Favorite musician, artist, or band? Well, I, pretty much across the board here, I enjoy, depends on the mood, Johnny Cash, Mumford & Sons, um, Oasis I used to like. Um, so I can go back to my roots and like techno still. So a little, it depends what the, <laughs> depends what they, uh, what the mood brings. All right. And the very last question that we have for you, coach, what is your favorite thing about Capital University? My players. I miss being around the players. I mean, I think it's, you know, you, you when you you spend so much time together and you invest time in, you know, the people that you care about, uh, just not being around them is, is, has been really tough for me. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to getting back on campus and, and getting the players back and, um, you know, helping them in any way that I can help them. Excellent, Coach. Well, this has been Head Coach Matt Ogden of the Capital Women's Soccer Team. We've spent a couple of moments with him talking about last year, this year, and a little bit about him as well. So, Coach, thank you so much for the time and for letting us uh, get a little bit closer to your world. And we look forward to seeing you back on campus and one day closer to whenever it is that we'll be playing next. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Stick around here, everybody, as we keep on going forward in this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. Crusaders move forward because we are not done yet. Our season may have been postponed, but the competitive spirit still remains. Today's athletes are not only fiercely driven to win, but also wear their masks wash their hands, maintain social distance, avoid large crowds, take their temperature, and adhere to all other guidelines. Because when we get the chance to compete, and we will fight for that chance, you better believe we're taking that victory. We will prove this fall that we are all today's athletes. I am today's athlete. I pledged. I pledged. I pledged. I pledged to myself, my teammates, my coaches, and my university that I will wear my mask in public. Frequently wash my hands. Take daily temperature checks. Keep social distance. Avoid large crowds. And follow all guidelines put in place. Together, we shall stay safe. Together, we get to compete. Together. 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 Show your passion to win by taking the pledge at athletics.capital.edu slash pledge. And watch the full video on our YouTube page, on any of our social media channels, or on the website athletics.capital.edu. Welcome, Cap fam. We have a little bit of a hybrid segment here coming up. You know that we always do like a little bit of a feature piece and an alumni piece. Well, this week, those two things kind of merged and made one super segment. So we are here with an alumni feature piece, 
And we are bringing onto the program Katie Lease from the class of 2018. So, Katie, first and foremost, you have now overtaken the honor as one of our youngest alums that we've featured on the program. But we're glad to have you here. And I know that you have a pretty special uh, occasion or an event that happened to you a couple weeks ago, which we'll get into. But uh, let's kind of set the foundation first. You know, you're a, you were a golfer here at Capitol just a few years ago. And now you are in the Capital Admissions Office as a counselor. So first talk to us about that and, and what you're doing as an admissions counselor. Absolutely. Well, first, it is such an honor to be joining the podcast. So thank you so much for the, for the invitation. But yes, I have uh, found my way back to Capital um, as a staff member, and I work in the Office of Undergraduate Admissions. So essentially, my role is to recruit students um, and kind of inform them about capital and the opportunities for them here. So um, my specific area is Northeast Ohio and also the Pennsylvania area. Um, so pretty much I camp out in that area in the fall and meet with students and families and then kind of help them through the admission process, the financial aid process, and essentially help them transition to being a capital student. So when you graduated, which again, wasn't all that long ago, what were you thinking as far as a, a career path and, and how did it come back full circle to serving the institution and what you spent four years of your life in? Absolutely. That's such a funny question. I actually started um, my career at Capital as an athletic training pre-physical therapy major, um, which I obviously changed from to, to business. Um, but throughout my time at Capital, I was kind of like seeing um, the effect that higher education, specifically at Capital, was having on myself and my peers. And I thought that there was something so special about that. Um, and I wanted to help other students experience that too. I know that the, the path to college is not always a smooth one for some folks. And so I really wanted to help um, prospective students in any way that I could. So that's kind of what led to this career. Um, being a student athlete, I am especially passionate about um, you know, especially Division Three athletics and the effect that it can have on students long term. Um, so I really wanted to work with student athletes specifically and, and truly all students helping them transition into higher education. All right. So now I'm going to just be really curious here. You said yes. you're, you're going out to the Northeast Ohio area and Western Pennsylvania uh, and you do some physical recruiting, but then you obviously have to come back to campus. So what does your day to day look like when you're both on the road and then when you come back to Columbus? Yes, um, they're long days. <laughs> I'll tell you that. So um, typically I will be on the road um, Monday through Thursday, and then I'll come back in the office on Friday. So um, in the mornings during the week, I will visit high schools and pop in and speak with students and guidance counselors. And then in the evenings, I'm usually at college fairs meeting with prospective students. So they are like, you know, 12, 15 hour days. And then in Fridays, I come back to either read applications or meet with families in the office. Sounds like you and I are working a lot of the same yes. hours, just in very different ways. So. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, thank you for all that you do. And again, if anybody is out there that is interested in joining the Cat Fam, Katie is obviously a phenomenal resource for you to uh, to tap into. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But, you know, we also have to talk about you as you, a student athlete. You know, golf is a tough sport for young people to get into. So tell us how you became interested or introduced to the sport and made it a significant part of your life. Yes, that's a funny question as well. So I grew up 
um, like most young people, I think, playing team sports like softball and basketball and volleyball. Um, But my dad was always an avid golfer. Um, And so he really pushed, and I mean really pushed, um, for me to be a golfer from a young age. Um, And at that point, like sports were still a social hour for me. So because none of my friends played golf, I was totally not interested whatsoever. Um, And we get so frustrated that he would really try to push the sport on me. Um, But my eighth grade year, I loved volleyball. I was in love with volleyball. And I actually got cut from the middle school team. And I was devastated, like truly the most devastating thing that happened up until that point in my life. Um, But then that was kindly kind of finally his window to introduce me to golf. And I kind of took to it. Um, So that whole year, my whole eighth grade year, I worked really hard at it. He pushed me really hard with it. Um, And I was able to try out for the varsity golf team the next year. And I, to my surprise, I made it and got to play four years of varsity golf. Um, And that was an incredible experience. But I think so often, too, families that are, you know, picking sports for their their kids to try kind of shy away from golf because it it's expensive, right? Like for adults, it's a, it's a very expensive sport. Um, but actually for youth, it's very affordable. There's lots of camps and clinics and, and programs that are certainly no more expensive than other team sports. So I would certainly encourage um, parents and young folks to get involved as much as possible. And we promise everyone that the, the tie-in here is the golf. And, and Katie did something phenomenal just a couple of weeks ago um, that really speaks to her game and uh, that it hasn't faded away at all since <laughs> she has graduated. And we'll get to that in just a second. So first, Katie, your path to capital. Um, you mentioned that you were a four-year letter winner as uh, a golfer, and that was at nearby Hilliard-Davidson High School. So how did you go from being, you know, a local student athlete to making your way over to Capitol? Yeah, so um, my dad spent some time at Capitol. So even when I was a young kid, you know, we would go to football games at Burn Lore on Saturdays and walk around campus and stuff. So I was rather familiar with Capitol um, from like a community perspective. But when it was time for me to look for schools, um, I'll be honest, like the recruitment process had a lot to do with my college search. Um, I knew that I wanted a smaller school. I knew that I wanted to be in the Columbus area. Um, And at the time, I knew I wanted to be an athletic trainer. So um, to my surprise, there were a lot of schools in Columbus that kind of fit that mold, you know. Um, So I visited them all. I did several visits to them all, actually. Um, But I kept coming back to Capitol. There was something about the feel when I was on campus that as soon as I got there, it it instantly felt like home and I didn't want to leave. And so I, I did make the decision on Capitol my senior year. Um, and never wavered in that. Truthfully, when I made that decision, I was completely at peace and have really never looked back. <laughs> Clearly, because we got you back not too <laughs> soon afterwards. So we're here talking with Katie Lee's class of 2018 and also a Capital Admissions undergraduate counselor. Uh, so, Katie, now we kind of get into the crux of what really caught my attention. Uh, your former 
golf head coach Andy Garcia threw out a tweet out there and it said something along the lines of so proud of Katie Lee's former <laughs> golfer hitting a $10,000 shot, which then prompted me to say we need to become better friends. <laughs> and also, I got to find out a little bit more about this. So you hit the shot of a lifetime in a charity tournament that you played in about a week or two ago. Uh, you hit you hit a uh, hole in one. Tell us the gritty details first. What course were you at? You know, describe the hole for us. Take us down that road. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, we were playing at Golf Club of Dublin, which is about 30 minutes from um, the Bexley area. And we, um, it was a shotgun start. So this was actually our last hole of the day. It was number 17, a par three. Um, and it was 151 yards, a little downhill, a little downwind. Um, so I took a club about 10 yards less than I needed and just kind of swung away. <laughs> Wait a minute! You're telling me that this was just a, you know, just a swing. There was, there had to have been some skill in there. <laughs> <laughs> I truly never imagined, like, and honestly, I'm kind of exposing myself here. I really have never been that close to a hole in one in my life, like maybe six to ten feet. So I really have never been close. And um, when I stood over the ball, the only thought that I had was, um, like, this club could really be perfect. And I was honestly more. Um, worried about like winning the golf tournament or like at least finishing in the top three so I wanted to get it as close as possible so we had a birdie chance um, but I, I did think that that could have been the perfect club for that shot. So just to be clear you had never actually hit a hole in one before this was the very first time. This was the first one maybe the last I don't know but yeah I have really never even been close. <laughs> okay. Now you told me that you were with other members of the cat fam uh, as part of your foursome. And you kind of joked when you approached the hole that you didn't even know that this was a thing and, and what you would do if you did. So, you know, what was the kind of approach when you saw that this was a possibility? And did you really think that you had a shot at winning? <laughs> yeah. So when we um, pulled up to the tee box, you know, we see this big sign that says grand prize, $10,000 cash for a hole in one. And one of my plans, can you imagine like what that would do? Like $10,000 at, at this point in our life, like that is life changing money right now, you know? So they were all joking what they would buy with it, cars and stuff like that. And I, I said student loans. <laughs> so I would help pay off my student loans. But I, I did think about that at first, but truly never imagined that that was even an option. So when you hit the shot, I mean, I don't know what the view was, if you had a clear uh, view of the pin, but did you see it go in or did you have to go in there and, and check it out firsthand just to confirm or, you know, how, how did that go and what was your reaction? Yeah. So from my vantage point, after I hit the shot, um, I knew that it was going to be online. It looked like it was going to be right at the pin. Um, I saw it bounce once. And from my vantage point, that's really all I could see. Um, there was a spotter there for like the tournament, you know, obviously making sure that people weren't making it up the hole in one situation. But um, she like got out of her chair when the ball was still on the green. And I was like, oh, like it must have been a good shot. You know, she just stood up. And then she started like jumping up and down with her hands in the air. And at that point, I still didn't believe it because I didn't physically see it go in. Um, but she was super excited. And then my playing partners just lost it. Like they went crazy. And I definitely think they were more excited than I was because I was totally in complete shock. 
That's that's amazing. It yeah, that that also kind of ironic that you weren't even the first one to be able to celebrate <laughs> your own shot, but you know, right. that's another thing. <laughs> but so okay, so you win the ten thousand dollars, like how does that all play out? Like, I mean, it's not like do they have a check on hand for you right then and there? Or is there a process you gotta go through? Yeah, so I was thinking they'd show up with one of those big checks, you know, like I'm standing there waiting for it to happen. Um, But to my surprise, that's not how it works. So apparently um, a golf course can buy like an insurance policy on the cash. So really they spend about $300 to have it insured for the $10,000 and that's where like the payout comes from. Okay. Um, But yeah, so I had no idea that's how it worked, but um also so they were asking me all these questions and making sure I had the standard amount of clubs in my bag like it was definitely like a very intense process I actually still have a ton of paperwork that I have to have like notarized and stuff so it'll be a process but hopefully worth it (laughs) yeah oh without question once that deposit (laughs) comes down you'll feel it so we're talking with Katie Lee's class of 2018 who is our alumni feature this week, and we just got done talking about The Shot. Now, there's kind of a little bit of a backstory that, in my opinion, and you would probably agree, makes this so much more special. Um, This was a charity golf tournament that has some very high personal value to you. Would you tell us why and, and what that was? Absolutely. Yes. So the tournament was for a charity called Families for a Cure. Um, They are out of central Ohio and they essentially support patient care programs and help to fund cancer research here in the area. Um, I volunteered for this organization in high school and I've kind of kept up with their events um, even afterwards, but it's, it's really special. So my dad Um, ended up passing away from pancreatic cancer in 2011. So it was my freshman year of high school that he passed. And so having the opportunity to um, not only support an organization that supports families like mine, um, but also have this hole-in-one happen here um, made it even more special. And even this golf course in general. So Golf Club of Dublin was the last round of golf I played with my dad. Um, it was kind of where I grew up playing as a kid through high school it was my home course. Um, so lots of ties, not only to the organization, but also to the golf course in general. If that doesn't give you all the feels caps, Sam, <laughs> I really don't know what does, but Katie, the, so, I mean, when all of this is happening and, and things start calculating in your head, you know, that this ties in with the shot and the history and your family like is there ever a point in time where you just kind of say that this has come full circle and that there was probably something maybe a little bit more at play or just add some degree of specialness to this you know that I think I use that exact term came full circle um, multiple times and and when we finished they had a the organization had what was called recognition row Um, so you could like put a name on a sign in memory of a person that had passed from cancer. And so I did have a sign for my dad. Um, and the first picture that I took after taking that or hitting that shot was with, was with that sign with my dad. Um, so it was, it was so special. And I, I definitely think that there was more in play there than just my, my shot that I hit. And I joked that um, I definitely got an extra bounce in there somewhere <laughs> from my dad. <laughs> 
we'd all like to think so too. So so tell us more about your dad. I mean, you mentioned earlier that he actually played golf at cap for a couple of years. So he's a, you know, a a member of the cap fam as well. Um, So tell us a little bit more about him other than that he was instrumental in introducing you to golf. Yes, he was, he was a character. Um, Golf was certainly his passion and he just wanted so badly for, for someone else in the family to experience that as well. Um, certainly my favorite memories with him are, are on the golf course. And, you know, when I look back, if, if he wouldn't have convinced me to play, my life would have been so much different. Like, I don't know if I would have attended Capitol. I certainly wouldn't have the friendships and the experiences that I had throughout college because of that. Um, and so some things I think just come down to fate sometimes and everything happening for a reason, but, um, I try to live my life with, you know, him on my shoulders, my guardian angel. And he was also really passionate about all the lessons that can be learned through the game of golf. So whether that's integrity, perseverance, hard work, like he was really big on implementing those into, um, my personal life as well. Um, so I really try to take the golf lessons that I've learned and use them on a daily basis with, with him in mind, truly. That all sounds fantastic. And now we get to the point where, you know, we go back into your alumni status with Capital. Um, and we always ask these questions are of our alums uh, at the tail end of these these discussions. To you, what makes Capital so special? And, and whether that's from your time um, as a student athlete or even in your role as an admissions counselor or if those two things merge together. Yes. Yeah. So it was special enough for me to want to make a career out of it. I'll say that my experience that I had, um, but truly, and I'm sure that many people before me have said this, but um, it's the people, it's the students that choose capital. It's the staff and faculty and coaches that choose capital every day. Um, it's a family. And when you enter into this family, you're in it for life. So as an alum coming back as a staff member, I still feel that. Um, so the people are certainly what make Capital special, um, both while you're here and even thereafter. And finally, Katie, what piece of advice can you give to a younger member of the Cap Fam or maybe a prospective member of the Cap Fam? Yes, absolutely. So I would say, of course, academics are the forefront of higher education, right? Having those experiences, but also what you learn outside of the classroom, in my opinion, is equally as important. So I always encourage students to get involved early, get involved often, because those are where, um, you know, real life experiences come into play. You're going to have a lot of fun if you get involved on campus. So support your peers, whether that's athletically or in other extracurricular events, but get involved and stay involved. Well, Katie, thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing this uh, fantastic happening that uh, occurred to you about a couple weeks ago. And like I said, we need to become better friends. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is definitely something that needs to happen. But uh, again, thank you for uh, sharing that with us and sharing uh, your memories about your father because they're so special and prevalent to this story. And we look forward to working together and bringing more members of the Cat Fam to campus. Yes, it was such a pleasure, Ryan. Thank you again for inviting me to the show. Well, my pleasure. And if anybody is out there, once again, that is interested in Capital University or getting a different perspective of it, Katie, you are certainly a resource in the admissions counseling office here at Capital University, and we encourage you to reach out to her. Katie, what is some contact information that maybe people can get a hold of you at? 
Absolutely. So my capital email is kleese at capital.edu. Um, and my office phone number is 614-236-6225. And that is K-L-E-A-S-E at capital.edu if you want to reach out mm-hmm. to Katie and pick her brain about her time at Capital or how you can get into the CAP fam for the upcoming year or beyond. Thanks again, Katie, for everything and for sharing your story. And for everybody else out there, stay tuned as we move along in our episode of Forward Capital Crusaders. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. Special thanks to Dixie Jeffers, Matt Ogden, and alumnus Katie Lease for joining us on today's episode. If you would like to listen to any of our past episodes, hit up our website, athletics.capital.edu, or find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Podcast, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'll be back on Tuesday, August 25th, when we hit the hardwood with the women's basketball staff and give you more updates from around CAP Athletics, including our new segment, Forward First Years. Get up-to-the-minute information by following CAP Athletics on social media, too. We're on Instagram and Twitter as at CAP Crusaders and on Facebook if you search Capital University Athletics. Don't forget to take the pledge to help us bring sports back to campus by visiting athletics.capital.edu slash pledge. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, CAP fam, let's keep moving forward. I'm Ryan Gasser. Wear your mask, wash your hands, keep your distance. Stay safe, everyone.